You're listening to the Justin C. Gleason Podcast. Please press follow and become a loyal listener. Select a five-star rating and support by giving through Cash App, PayPal, or Venmo at Justin C. Gleason. Thank you for listening, sharing, and your generosity. Welcome back to the home of God, Bible, and church. You can go to a lot of podcasts and get a lot of stuff, but around here we like to talk about some of the things that you can't talk about at work. I remember when I uh, worked in the secular world, I worked a lot in restaurants, I, I sold insurance, I did mortgages here and there. Uh, even sold a, a, a rainbow cleaning systems, if you know <laughs> know what one of those are. And there was just a certain set of rules of things that you never talk about in the workplace. Number one, politics. I don't think that rule exists anymore. I think everybody talks about politics now at work. It's like considered a, a, a badge of honor the more liberal and left you get. <laughs> they want to promote you there. And uh, for the rest of us with a different type of politic, we got to keep our mouths uh, shut. But uh, yeah, you don't talk about politics. You don't talk about anybody's weight. Uh, That could get you fired. (laughs) Don't talk about race. Don't talk about gender. You know, all these things that we were taught just don't talk about. Now it seems like everybody's talking about it. Everybody's talking about their weight and their their race and their (laughs) gender. (laughs) That's what everybody wants to talk about. Uh, And another thing was never talk about religion. Never talk about religion. And the reason is, is because everybody has different opinions, everybody's sensitive, and sometimes those conversations can lead to unproductivity. It can really lead to wasting the day away with talking about useless things that you're not going to change anybody else's mind on, you're going to hurt other people, you're, they're going to have to call HR on you, and and all other types of things. So it, it was tough to talk about things at work. So um, around here, you're in a safe place to talk about God. Uh, spirituality, Bible, things like that. That's where we belong. We don't really talk that much about politics. Sometimes we talk about life as politics relates to the spiritual life and things like that. And uh, today I I just want to give you a great Bible study, some insights of things that I've seen, that I've experienced, and things that are going to benefit you as a loyal listener in your involvement with your church, your involvement with the kingdom of God, and your involvement in your connection to the Holy Ghost. I want to talk to you about how to get five talents from the Lord. And this is kind of a continuation on an idea I brought to you a few weeks ago on getting a 100 from the sower. Getting a 100 from the sower, taken from the parable of the sower. Where a sower goes out to sow and a lot of seed just did not sprout up because it fell by the wayside. Some fell among rocks, some fell among thorns, all of that. And then some fell on good ground Some yielded 30, some yielded 60, and some yielded 100. My idea on that is how to get a 100 from the Word of God. How is it that whenever the preacher preaches, it seems like not everybody gets the same amount? And we gave some insight on how you can get a 100, 100 every time from the Lord. Uh, Why have 30 uh, when you can get 60? Why have 60 when you can get 100? Uh, The same thing kind of works here with this parable. 
parable of the sower, it was about you grow from what God gives you. Parable of the sower is about you grow from what God gives you. In this parable, the parable of the talents, it's a little different. It's not you grow, but rather you grow what God gives you. Now, let's read what Jesus says, Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them, and to one he gave five talents, to another two and to another one, to each according to his own ability, ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done. Good and faithful servant, you are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, here you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take that talent from him, give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from whom he who does not have even what he has will be taken away, and cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And, and some people like to present Jesus' teaching as, as like just uh, flowers, birds, and lambs. Uh, no. Uh, how about weeping and gnashing of teeth? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, these parables are real. It's probably difficult for God to explain exactly what's going to happen in in the uh, resurrection, in, e- in uh, eternal judgment or eternal life with uh, direct things from that spirit world. And the only thing he had was natural things that occur here and what the kingdom of heaven would be like and using illustrations for what we had here on this earth. And this parable has a lot to do with eternal life, how it's going to be for you in the life that is to come based upon what you do with what God gives you. And I'm not really going to look at it from that angle, but more so look at it from the angle of I just you coming here to this podcast. It, it really only takes maybe one or two episodes to figure out this isn't an, an, an edutainment <laughs> podcast. 
mostly on the uh, education side of it, but we like to entertain. You got to have a, a quality of humor, of course, with all of these things. But I, I want to be, I'm a teacher. Real, really, it's one of the ministries God, God gave to me. And to this day, I'm su- still surprised he gave to me a teaching gift. I, I was a terrible student in school. I, I didn't care for academics. I didn't care to learn. I didn't care to study and acquire knowledge. Life to me was fun and the social side of things. But I don't know. When I came home in those first few weeks as a youth pastor, I studied so hard uh, to teach my youth class. And I loved studying and I loved teaching. And I figured out I was actually really good at it. I, I was able to help students understand creation and help them to understand the Godhead and and uh, deep spiritual things by just taking uh, very profound things and making them simple. And I, and I do this now here on this podcast, but with some different ideas and co- kind of coming at it from a different angle. It was one of the talents that God gave to me that I didn't know I had. And you'll find out that if you will simply just look deep inside and realize what is sitting inside of you, that you know you did not develop all on your own, but there's a gift that God imparted and implanted into your spirit that God simply wants to use. And if you will just simply put it to good use, you will multiply what God has given to you. That's really the angle I'm talking about from this uh, episode. And yes, it'll play a big part in in where you're at in all of eternity. Not everybody's going to have all the same stuff in heaven. Oh, no, there's going to be greater rewards than for some, uh, for some. And like in hell, there's going to be even greater rewards of punishment for some than there are of others. And that's what this parable is about. It is about making what God gave you bigger and better. It's about taking something small and making it better. It's about improving what is given to you by God to make it better for his name and for his kingdom, for his church. If you will do that, you will enjoy benefits now here in this life and, of course, the life to come. As I said before, I want to repeat this. The parable of the sower is about you growing yourself from the word of God. Growing yourself, your own mind, your own heart, your own soul, your your own spirit. You grow you through the word of God. The talents is not about growing you. This parable has nothing to do with improving yourself. It has to do with improving what God gave you. It's about growing what God gave you. The word talent here is not like an ability. It's not like a gift, like a talent to sing or to play. Talents was a name for a monetary unit back then. I'm not going to get into all of that. You can Google that. Look it up. You, you can learn about it in 30 seconds. It was a piece of money, a piece of wealth and value. It's about this Lord, this master, this big businessman who wanted to go away for a while. And he knew he didn't have time and all the DIY abilities to take his money and make it grow and prosper. So instead, he took men who he felt could do a good job, and according to their ability and talent, he gave them money to take that money and invest it and do something with it and hopefully turn it for a uh, positive investment. It was a man looking for somebody to produce, and he brought three guys forward, each according to his ability. 
is ability. That's a key word. You know, I brought to you an idea last year. I've heard it preached before. God, <laughs> and I actually got a lot of feedback on it and some blowback on it, to be honest with you. When, you know, preachers get up in there and they say, God is not looking for the qualified. He qualifies the called. <laughs> I've never read that in the Bible, but it preaches. It gets them to the altar, and that's a good thing, right? I agree with that. I understand that. Look, when God called me, I didn't really have, didn't appear to be qualified. I was just a little boy. What qualities does a, a little boy have? But I, I, what I, what I think here really, my idea is, yeah, sure, God doesn't call the call the qualified, but rather He looks for people with certain qualities. He looks for people with qualities, like King David. There was a quality about him that God really liked. He was a man after God's own heart. Okay? And you look throughout the scripture, the prophets that God summoned, the people that God pulled on, all had certain qualities about them uh, that God used to benefit his kingdom. And it's the same way here with this parable. There were certain abilities that this Lord over the servants was looking for. Did he have an ability... He was looking, he said, I got five talents here. Who has the ability to take five talents and do something big with it? And he found one guy and said, here's the five talents. And then he looked for a two-talent ability guy and gave him two talents. And then he found the one guy and gave him the ability. God is not looking for skills and he's not looking for your magic. (laughs) He is looking for an ability. Do you have an ability? Abilities, yes, you're born with them, but really, it's something that you develop all on your own. Abilities, they're kind of natural, I suppose, but it's something that you develop through observation and practicing, putting things into good use. You learn to have an ability to produce. You learn to have an ability to get something. And my idea on this is why go for one when you can get two and not stop there. Why go for two when you can get five? I want all of you loyal listeners to be the type of person that God says, I want to give you five. I'm going to give you five because I think you can produce the level of five. I think you have the ability to make that five. So what is God looking for? God finds people to give talents through the pastor, through your church leadership, through somebody that is over a certain department in the church. That's really where your calling is going to come through. I don't care how called to to preach you think you are, what happened here, what happened there. If you don't have the favor of the pastor, forget it. If you don't have the favor or the heart of the pastor's wife, forget it. You, (laughs) You don't have the favor of the youth pastor, the youth pastor's wife, forget it. You have to find favor in the eyes of people that have gone before you in the call in the ministry. That is where it's going to come to. You want to do something for God, it's going to come through open doors and th- certain opportunities through other people based upon the qualities and the abilities that you have. And I want all of you to be a five for your leader and for God. This is Rachel Aline Carpenter, and you're listening to Justin C. Gleason. So uh, pastors see things, pastors' wives see things. Everybody's watching. They watch what you do and they watch what you don't do. 
right? Let's uh, let's start with some of the basics. If you show up late constantly to church and you leave pretty early, <laughs> you are not a five-talented guy. Uh-uh. You are a one-talented guy. You ain't going to produce nothing for God. I am just telling you that right now. It is the people, the five talented people, they are the ones that show up early and ask the pastor, is there anything I can do for you? Man, that's not liability. That is being an asset right there. You want to do something for God and you got your own car, don't sleep in on Sunday mornings. If church starts at 10, show up at 9.15. Guys with your hair slicked back, your tie ready to go, your suit button buttoned, your shoes tied, cloned up, ready to go. <laughs> Say, Pastor, put me to work. And, and don't be the first out of there. When the altar call's div- given, don't be schmoozing around the back or out in the foyer trying to figure out some lunch plans with somebody. Forget it. <laughs> You're not going to be a five-talented guy. The pastor's going to look at that and say, no productivity. That's right. Uh, here's another one. How about you stop complaining? I don't know what it is about this generation. It's like complaining is like virtue signaling almost. If you complain and whine and this and that and it's not fair and certain people have it, oh, my God, you know, pastor, we got to help. Complaining, complaining will not do it. Five talent productive people don't complain. Five talent productive people look at where something can be done to make it better. It doesn't complain because complainers don't have solutions. They never do. They're small people, small-minded. They need big problems to survive. No talent is going to be given to you. No abilities right there. Complainers cause problems. Stop the complaining and watch your life grow, okay? Uh, How about this, tithing? Some preachers are pretty open about uh, the importance and the value of tithing. In that they'll come over to your house, you know, sometime between like Christmas and New Year's Eve and talk to you about what are you going to plan on giving the next year. I know the Catholic priests do that. Uh, not much in Pentecost. Uh, <laughs> mostly we just preach it from the pulpit and we put it between you and God. But if you really believe you're deserving of something good, some type of position, some type of title, some type of ministry involvement, and you come to your pastor about it, and he knows the giving record, yeah, you ain't getting that job, man. I'm just telling you that right now. Because if you can't be loyal in something God commanded you to give, how can you be loyal in just some simple instructions from God? I'm telling you, it's an ability. Do you have the ability to tithe? Of course you do. Can you put it into good use? Yeah, if you don't tithe, you are sticking what God gave you in the ground. Can money grow in the dirt? No, it doesn't. Money grows where it's invested. I'm telling you, if you will learn to tithe, it will open up ministry doors for you. It'll open up opportunities for you. God will bless you. He will favor you. Start tithing and watch the five talents come. Uh, How about this? Uh, Church hopping. People... You know, the church hopping shut down for a while during COVID. No, I, I noticed that nobody was hopping churches. But after that first wave of no more masks and uh, a lot of restrictions let up, man, the church hopping happened again. 
people were hopping around thinking they're going to get something better, something here, thinking they're worthy of this and that. And they show up to the new church and the pastor's like, uh, no, <laughs> I never told you that. <laughs> and then they're church hopping back. And, you know, we're patient people. We love everybody. The doors are always open. But you want to be a talent. You want to get a talent. You want to be a good, faithful, and loyal servant that makes something happen for the master. Learn to stay loyal and put down some roots where you're at. Because if the pastor thinks you're going to hop, you're going to backslide, you're going to be in and out, you're not getting used. I don't care how good of a solo you think you can sing. If there is the inclination that you are on the verge of backsliding, your solo is going to be taken and given to another. I'm telling you, you need to have the ability to be loyal. And to build that trust that you are locked in and sold out to this thing. That's the type of the people that God uses. That's the type of people that pastors want to work with. The loyal and the faithful. Okay, here's another. And these are just simple things you can start doing to take you from a no-talent bomb to a one-talent <laughs> E for effort to a two that, yeah, they sometimes get it done to a five-talent. They make it happen. Start showing up early. Start leaving late. Start being a problem solver and somebody with solutions. Don't complain. Be loyal in tithing. Be loyal in your attendance. Be loyal to your pastor. Be loyal to your church. Love the people. Serve the people. Make it all about God and the church. And here's another one. How, how's your social media? Social media has uh, become kind of boring lately. I was, I was just uh, talking to some, somebody about this. I, I I just said, man, I'm hardly on social media anymore. I don't like to read other people's posts, and I don't like to post. And I looked at the battery percentage and what was being used on my phone, and coming in at number one was my text message app. <laughs> texting has always been there for me, and it'll forever be there. I love texting. I have so much fun with texting. Texting beats Facebook. Texting beats Instagram. It certainly beats Twitter. I don't know when truth, uh, when I get my truth account going, that Trump truth thing, maybe that, maybe that might be as good as texting. I don't know, doubt it. But I just love to text. Uh, second to that is my podcast app. I love podcasts. I love it. Podcasting is not for the couch potato. It's for the person that gets stuff done. I've always got somebody talking in my ear. I listen to a lot of apostolic podcasts. Some of them are absolutely terrible but I listen to, listen to them anyway because I know even the, even the person out there that can't put two thoughts together and, and, and make a point still can see and feel something from the Bible that I can't. They have experiences that I don't know, and I listen to a lot of them. And, and I listen to other, other news and, and history and things like that. I love it. It's, it's awesome. And typically most podcasts have been kind of uh, vetted. You're not going to get a whole lot of people out there broadcasting a whole lot of ignorance. And uh, so a lot of it really checks out and I really like it. Uh, but videos and stuff, any Yahoo can get on there and make a video of themselves in their trailer talking <laughs> with the sheet blowing behind them. You know, I, I just, I like podcasts. I, I don't watch videos very much. I'm not much into YouTube. And thirdly, it happened to me, my notes app. I love making notes. I'm a copious note guy. I've, 
I used to make them in these little notebooks, but I kind of got away from that. It's easier to track and to file and make information more accessible for myself if I do it my phone. So, yeah, how are you on social media? Yeah, are you one of them type of people you have to post everything about your life and a pastor sees that? You know what? It's going to be like, a, uh, they're into their life. <laughs> Not about God, but into them. And, uh, okay, uh, I, I don't want to say this. I don't know how else to say this. Uh, do you want to be a five-talent person? Uh, don't take pictures of yourself in the restroom. I don't know where that came from. It used to be just guys would do it. I, I don't know, the bathroom selfie. But now it's the girls. The girls have taken over and posting pictures of themselves in the restroom. I don't get it. What is so Instagram worthy about your bathroom life? I, I don't get it. Uh, does your face just look better a- after a bowel movement? I, I don't understand that. <laughs> I, was that that bad? I don't think that was that bad. Okay, you know what? Taking pictures of yourself after in the restroom after you, before using the restroom after the restroom, I don't care, whatever. You want to be a five-talent person, uh, put the camera up in the restroom. You're going to get yourself in trouble someday. You may not plan on it, but somebody might be in the background that you uh, didn't intend to be there, and next thing you know, you got a lawsuit because uh, somebody else is in that picture in the restroom on the Instagram where their shoes are. Okay, I'll stop right there. I'm here to have a good time. And I'm not a little boy anymore, and I can't have too much fun with this stuff anyway. All right? Be a person who produces. Be a person who makes it happen. Be a person who is loyal, and that's who's going to get used. That is who God is going to search out through the pastor, through the leadership, who has the ability to make it happen for the church, for the kingdom of God. I remember I, I used to play Little League baseball. And one summer, my family went on an, an extended vacation, and I wasn't at baseball practices. And I came back, and I went from uh, a starting position. I played all over the field, it seemed like. Something new and different every year. I think I was at... I think it was in left field that year. I can't remember. But I came back, and I got benched. And the coach took the worst player and gave him my starting spot. And I remember thinking, what is wrong with the coach? We're going to lose. And I remember being so disappointed after the game, got in the car, and I was like, Dad, I only got to play the eighth and the ninth inning. Dad said, well, son, we've been on vacation. You haven't been at practices. That other kid, even though you're better than him, he was there for practices. That's why the coach put him in. And I learned a valuable lesson that day. Coaches, leaders, they honor employers, whoever. Honor who is there. Honor who is faithful. That's who the opportunity comes to. I learned that principle, and I took that into the workplace. Um, I told you I was a, into restaurants. I never cooked. I never washed dishes. I, was, I started out as a busboy when I was 15, and uh, by the time I was 18, I was a server. And I learned pretty quick It's not the nicest server who got the best sections. It actually wasn't the one who could walk the fastest or carry the most food out there on the trays. Oh, no, it was the server who could sell the most. They were the ones that got the best sections and usually the best customers. And I figured that out within my first year. So you know what I learned how to do? I learned how to sell food. And I learned it pretty quick. 
and I would get the best sections. Servers that had been there a few years more than me, I would be graduating to the best sections. And some I remember being so remember being so jealous of me. But I learned how to sell food. And it really wasn't that hard. People are already hungry. They're coming in for something good. And you had to learn how to talk about what was new and what was fresh, (laughs) what was pulled right out of the ocean, what came right out of the cow pasture. (laughs) And I learned to use words that went really well with food like delicious and wonderful and tasty and mouth-watering and juicy. I remember I worked at a restaurant. The servers used to wear all white, and they may or may not have sold a lot of cheesecake, okay? And quite often they had this special they were running uh, with this salmon dish. Now, I don't, when I, I like salmon. Uh, we'll grill it here at the house, but I don't order salmon at restaurants. I don't, if I'm going to get fish, it's going to be fried or maybe like blackened catfish. Or if I'm down in Louisiana, black and red fish. Oh, that's good stuff. But for the most part, I don't order salmon. I don't know. I just I just don't order it. But I learned how to sell salmon, and I just would put my hands up and make like a square kind of with my hand, and I would say we've got these beautiful, gorgeous fillets of salmon in the back, and it is absolutely delicious. And I and I just knew who I could sell it to. It was usually like business women. You know, they're, they're, they're coming in there, you know, they want to try the food, but they, 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 <laughs> they want to try to eat healthy, you know, but I would make it as something new. You're not going to get anywhere else. It's absolutely delicious. And I say salmon, they're like, oh, I'll have that. Oh, I'll have that <laughs> with a diet Coke, please. <laughs> <laughs> and I just learned how to sell food that way. And I made a lot of money and I would get the best sections. How did I get the best sections? I learned how to produce. I learned how to get big rings at the end of the night. I'd sell like three or $400 more than a lot of other people. That's how it worked because I learned how to sell. I learned how to produce. I learned how to make my managers and my boss happy. It was a business. I, I learned this at Bible college uh, with preaching opportunities things like that, if you could perform, whether it was in the pulpit or on an instrument or singing, you really knew how to entertain the presence of God and it would bless the people, that's who got the part. That's who got used. That's who got the opportunity. I remember one year in Corral, we had this lady. She was married, older than most of us, and, I mean, she was just into herself. And uh, I remember Brother Hoffy gave her a solo and, it was one of the key songs we sang, and we had so much anticipation of this song really bringing it, but it never really did, and come to find out, I think we realized the lady that was singing the solo was never about God. It was about her, and I kid, it used to be, it, I'm sure it is this way, like with Bible colleges and local churches, once you give somebody a solo, it's their solo. Or one of your guitar players, you give them that guitar solo, that is their solo. And you ain't going to sing that song or do that song unless that person is there ready to perform it. Well, this was a great song. And that next year, we wanted to do that same song on tour. But you know what? That lady didn't even make chorale. Kind of a sad deal. (laughs) She wrote like a big letter, made a big scene. You know, why am I not in in the chorale? That solo ended up up given to another person and, and the song was saved. 
Okay. Got to learn how to produce. Got to have that ability. That's how you get the five talents uh, from your corral director. Yeah. You know, when I was called to preach, I had no idea what that would bring me. I had no idea what opportunities would be out there. No idea what God would do. I, I was okay kind of with whatever. But really, you know what I liked about it was knowing that God talked to me. It became like a personal thing between me and the Lord. And I loved to talk to the Lord about my calling. I loved to pray about it. I loved to observe preaching. I loved developing myself uh, with it. It probably uh, pleased the Lord with all of those things. But I got called to preach when I was about 11. I really didn't start. I would really didn't start having any like preaching opportunity until I was about 18. And even then they really weren't preaching opportunities. They were more like a testimony opportunity, which is where it starts, which is where it starts uh, presenting something in in the pulpit. (coughs) Fiery fives, we used to call them. Uh, And if you get the opportunity, do those and keep it within five minutes. Keep it very short and sweet. And don't get up there and say, I'm so honored to be here. Believe me, you did not get asked to do a fiery five to be honored. It has nothing to do with you being honored. Stop. (laughs) I wouldn't even get up there and thank anybody. Just get up there and say something good and sit down and shut up. (laughs) That's how that works. Let the the main preacher do all those accolades and stuff, okay? All right, I know what I'm talking about. But I was, my first opportunities to preach uh, came with a small youth class when I came home from Bible college. And uh, I learned to thrive in it. I learned how to make class not boring, but exciting. I learned how to make it awesome. I worked hard at it. I was given a one and turned it into a thousand with that youth ministry. It went from a small classroom to a full-blown youth room. And that full-blown youth room is still alive to this day. It all started with just a small classroom. It was like I was given a one. And made it into something better. You know, now I preach in the main sanctuary. I was given a five, and I'm hoping to make it 5,000. You start small with your opportunities and your abilities. And if you do a good job, you'll start getting more. You'll go from getting one to two to two to five. If you learn how to produce, if you learn to not take your money and bury it in the sand, as it were, because you're afraid of losing it, God wants you to take risks. God wants you to do little things here and there to grow, to produce, to make happen with what he gives you. I like to think of this podcast as like an ability. I've Before I even podcasted, I, lo- I loved listening to podcasts. Mainly church podcasting. Used to listen to a lot of preaching. Still do. And a lot of guys who were on the radio and they took their radio broadcast and made them into podcast and I loved that stuff these guys who just you know like uh Michael Savage one of my favorites Mark Levin he's awesome Rush Limbaugh Glenn Beck a lot of these guys out there who I think are a force of good for the country it's their ability to take news and things that they've read things that they've seen and create these ideas and opinions and formulate conclusions about it it just captivated me 
And I said, I want to do that someday with God. I want to do that someday with his word. I want to do that someday with what we experience in the church and bring it to the podcasting platform. I said I want to do it someday, but I thought I will never do that someday. <laughs> There's a want to and actually doing it. And then I just started writing down ideas. And before I knew it, somebody called me with a word. And I took that word and ran with it and got educated and worked as hard as I could to develop a show. And I, <laughs> I made it. And here it is. And it started out as a one. <laughs> and it's gone from more than a one. It's gone from something even a, something greater. And I thank God for that. I could have said no. I could have taken that notebook and stuck it in the ground. I could have put it on the shelf. No, I said, I wrote out a plan, and I'm going to do it. And here we are, and you're listening to it, and I thank you for it. I learned to produce something for God. And I can see the benefits of it for the kingdom of God because it's benefiting people. God gave me a major talent years ago, and I've talked about it here and there on on this show. It's a part of my life that I really have kept veiled for the most part. I and it's I'll just tell you it's prophetic ministry. God called me to it. And I just never wanted to make it into a show. I never made wanted to make it into a performance. Some guys have, and they've fallen flat on their face. Some guys have taken it and ran with it and done really good, and and God bless them for the Lord's benefit. But I don't know. I just, I can't say that I kept it to myself, but I never made it really publicly known. And if I did, it was so veiled in a natural presentation. I've always believed in that. One of my major early talking points that I brought to this podcast was be natural with the supernatural. You don't need to act weird and spooky. And I still believe in that. But a lot of the things that God would reveal to me, and most of the time I just would pray about it, and I still do that. A lot of times I would just tell a few people here and there, but I've since 2020, my dad really pushed me, said, son, you've got to start telling these things that God has shown you and given to you. And I'm not afraid of them not coming to pass because I know when I hear from God, and to this day, I have never gotten it wrong. I've never given a word and it not come to pass because I, I wait on God. And if I feel a word and it's not from God from me, I'll, I'll be very clear about that. I'll say, this is not from God. This is my faith speaking. This is just me putting a word of faith out there for you. I'll do that. But when I hear from God, I know I hear from God. And if God says it, it's going to happen. And about two years ago, I believe I was given five talents concerning this horrible COVID-19 virus. It was on Sunday, March 22nd, year 2020, uh, the first Sunday for many churches across the Midwest, the first Sunday to be in the lockdown. And that Sunday, I was awakened by a tapping on my shoulder, and I opened my eyes, and the angel of the Lord stood before me. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Some will die, most will live. After 60 days, the church shall regather, followed by 60 days of slowly reopening, and thereafter 60 days of recovery. There will be three pandemics, some will say four. And the vision ended. 
I got dressed, went to church. Man, that was the weirdest service. Just a few of us on the platform, a few of our production people, but we had church. And I told my dad, I told Nathan Santamaria, I told Danny Torres, I think one or two others, I can't remember. I said, in about 60 days, we'll all be back. I didn't say an angel appeared to me. (laughs) I couldn't do it. I really couldn't even say the Lord appeared to me. I couldn't do it. I don't know. I just had a this thing in me that said, you don't talk about those things. You make it natural. And I just said, in 60 days, we'll regather. And sure enough, after 60 days, after 60 days, our last service to be in person was Sunday, March 15th. 60 days passed. And our church regathered on Sunday, March 17th. I think 60 days was that Thursday, the uh, the uh, 14th. And then we were gathered on, on Sunday the 17th. Wow. Just as God said. I don't know. After that, my dad said, son, you got to start telling exactly how it was. Look at the prophets. They described those angels, even how their faces look in their hands and things like that. And I'm like, I can't do that. But I've realized if God gives you something, you can't hide it. You have to put it out there and invest it. You've got to make it happen. And I've been doing it, and it's amazing how much more these things have come to me. And how many more opportunities for spiritual ministry the Lord has given to me just simply because I started talking about it and started putting it out there. I'll tell you another one that I'm really, really clinging to. It was uh, later that year on July 4th, 2020. I'm literally putting my son in the car to go to a 4th of July birthday party. And the Lord just stops me and drops a word in my spirit. And he says to me, the plague shall depart as mysteriously as it arrived. A light remains in Washington. A mistress of the insurrection is cut off. They shall not turn the other cheek to the commotion. A fire shall consume the dwellings of low quality. They shall say farewell to the protection systems of Roosevelt. And the word ended. It's like wind. You don't know where it came from. You have no idea where it departed to. It's interesting. I mean, COVID is still out there. People are still getting it. But isn't it strange? This spring, it's like it disappeared. Here we are two years later. And it's like, gone from something so intense that nearly shut the entire world down that we almost never recovered from. Here we are. It's like almost as, it's gone as quickly as it came. A light remains in Washington. Man, we might talk more about that as the election draws near. I don't know. But all that stuff is going to come to pass. I'm telling you, I know when I've heard from God. It's coming. I'm not burying that in the ground. I pray over that prophecy. I observe it. I watch for it and I wait for it. God's going to make it happen. So when I ask you, have you bettered the opportunities that God has given to you, no matter how small or how great you think they are? If it's an opportunity from God, it's big. 
And not only is it just big now, but it could be even bigger if you'll improve it. You want better ministry opportunities? Start producing. If God gives you a one, you need to come back with two. God gives you two, you need to come back with a total of four. God gives you five, you need to come back with a total of ten. Okay? You want to know what a big problem is right now? People are lazy. It's a spirit of sloth that's all over the earth. People are... I'm not interested in getting into this war. I'm interested in people getting back to work. Lazy is a problem these days. You want to be used of God big, you need to start producing big. And you don't need a whole lot to start with. Creativity can come with just a simple pen and a piece of paper. There's some of you, you've been thinking about doing a podcast. I'm telling you, it's time. Make it happen. When will it happen? When will it happen? It'll happen when you make it happen. Start producing something. Those P7 clubs that they've got going on, goodness gracious. That is something that'll produce. That is a tried and proven product. Let me tell you. That's right. Pastors aren't looking for the people that are privileged. Oh, no, they're after the people that produce. If you've already made a reputation for yourself as somebody that doesn't produce, there's not much I can do for you. But if you're the type of person that can make it happen for the church, you mark it down. More opportunities are coming to you. I'm not a businessman. I'm not a salesman. I'm the podcasting preacher, Justin C. Gleason. Uh, Not too long ago, we had a local church revival here in Kansas City with Caleb Herring, who's been a guest here on the show. Phenomenal preacher. Really, really like his ministry. And uh, for that revival, it was just, it wasn't a big conference. We didn't market or advertise it, but we had a lot of -of out-of-town people come in. And it wasn't like revival roadies or anything. It was actually like really cool, sharp, hyphen people. And uh, they came in, and what was so cool is they buddied up with quite a few of our hyphen people. Like, I saw them going out to eat together and stuff. And I think that's just awesome. I'd like to think it's a part of our church culture that we've created, being really friendly and, and open and making connections with people and stuff, you know. And I'm sure social media has helped out with that. It kind of breaks the eyes for people. They already feel like they know the person. So it's easier to talk to them and and stuff, but uh, I found out that a lot of these out-of-town hyphen guests, a lot of them are loyal listeners. They came up and introduced themselves to me, and uh, but I found out at, at some of the restaurant and the hangouts after some of the revival services that there was uh, dialogue going on uh, with them about dating. Well, that's a great subject, right? And some of them were bringing up this podcast and there was a debate that broke out about the three ingredients that Justin recommends you have for a healthy relationship and I've talked about it but sometimes you have to be reminded of it 
And I've always been the type of guy, I never want to preach the same th- thing twice. And I, I guess in my mind, I'm thinking, don't ever uh, make the same point twice. But I'm realizing if it's good, you can say it more than twice. Matter of fact, say it often and say it a lot. If it's really good, uh, people want to hear it. People want to remember it. People want to get it into their lives. So uh, we're, we're 40 days out now from Valentine's Day. And I think this Valentine's was really good for a lot of people. I saw a lot of changes in relationship statuses. Um, I think mainly because hopefully it's because it's for a healthy relationship uh, sake. But I got to think that some people are running into relationships because of this Russia-Ukraine war and they think it's the end of the world and it's World War III is about to happen. So, hey, I got to get out and get married like right here, right now. <laughs> so it's motivated them to start dating. <laughs> yes. But, okay, uh, back to the, the point I'm trying to make here. You, for a healthy relationship, you need three things. Let's settle the debate. As these are things that I presented to you in 2020, and they're here now. They're unchanging. The three main foundational ingredients to a healthy relationship is when you are dating this person, do each of you feel motivated to serve the Lord and, and be involved in church? Okay, how, how, how are you and God doing since you've been dating this person? How are you in your church? All right, if you've dropped out of choir since you've been dating this person, prob- probably not. <laughs> probably not a healthy relationship. Uh, you check out when altar call is given. Probably not a healthy relationship, okay? All right, you get the point. How about this? Do you want to better yourself? Do you want to better yourself? Uh, since you've been dating them, do you want to get more education? Do you want to become more employable? Uh, guy, if you, if you're keeping your car clean, that's a good motivator, right? You're bettering yourself in your situation. Okay. And then thirdly, can you see yourself losing your individuality and becoming one with that person? Could you see yourself dropping your opinion and making what they would prefer? Uh, that's a sign of a healthy relationship. Got to lose your individuality. So if you're increasing your heart, desire, and involvement with God, Bible, and church, it's a good thing. If you're bettering yourself, good thing. And if you're losing your individuality with that that person, uh, chances are you're dating in the will of God. Now, there's quite a few other things that are based upon individual needs and, and on an individual couple basis. But if you got those three things moving forward, I would be willing to talk to somebody about more and more about their relationships. So you do these things and you will not uh, be trudging through the marsh land of the uh, toxicity of the dating world that we have here. All right. So, yeah, uh, how, how's your relationship since Valentine's Day? We're 40 days out. Is it, is it good? Is it better? Have you already broken up? How, how is it? Okay. Uh, there, there was something weird going on. I saw a lot of uh, Bible college banquets. What, what's up with these guys with four dates? <laughs> and it wasn't just one or two dudes. It was like a lot of dudes come, come walking up in there with like four dates. I didn't say four girlfriends, four dates. I've never seen so many people so happy. And, and that, pro- that probably uh, wasn't awkward at all. You know, you got the one guy, the one girl, it's, you know, and it's just like a date thing that I, I don't know. People expect you guys to like fall in love right there, you know, right? So I, I'm sure that at least the picture portion was a, probably a lot more fun. But yeah, nobody knows that it's it's serious. 
Because you know good and well, none of those girls are into that one guy. Or maybe. I'll stop right there. I don't know. But uh, uh, during all of this, uh, did you notice that Jordan and Shay are having a baby? How about that? You know, last year around Valentine's Day, I did this. Uh, uh, it was a dating episode. I can't remember what I. I think I said uh, getting engaged in the will of God. And I found, I found out that Jordan and Shay were dating. And he said, hey, uh, why don't we listen to this? And in the truck there, he turns on my podcast. And I'm sure she Shay rolled her eyes thinking, oh, my God, what is this? And she uh, started listening to all those signs, you know, of dating and, and getting engaged in the will of God. And she said, oh, my God, Jordan, we meet all of Justin's signs. We need to get engaged. <laughs> and lo and behold, they got engaged. Beautiful engagement. And they had a beautiful wedding. But now they're expecting they're having a baby. Yay. Well, um. If you remember back in December, what did I make an episode about? Uh, having children. <laughs> so I, I podcast about getting engaged, and there's an engagement. I podcast about having children, and now they're expecting. I'm telling you, you get into this podcast, you put your heart and soul, your ears, everything into this podcast, of the things that I pod about, they're going to happen in your life. Uh, that's just the way the Word of God works, whether it's on this podcast or the pulpit in your home church. You have faith for it, you believe in it, you receive it. It'll happen in your life. So um, I've gotten a lot of great feedback from some of that stuff, and I've written a lot of content about having kids. And uh, we're going to bring it to you, you know, just kind of as the year goes on. I, ne- I don't know. I don't like to stay on one subject with this podcast. I like to you know, pick a subject and in various places throughout the year talk about it. We'll, we'll talk about it more than that. Uh, here later on, probably in, uh, some more in the spring and summertime, definitely around Christmas time. But yeah, I I think we we're on to something there that's really resonated and connected with a lot of people. So I hope your Valentine's Day went well and your forty days at thereafter have been great. All right, <laughs> all right. Who here is glad that the Winter Olympics are over? Ugh. I can honestly say I did not watch one second of the Olympics. I, I can't deal with it. I, I, I don't know. I love American sports. American sports are good. Even though they're trying to be hijacked from the insane left, uh, for the most part, the root of it all, uh, American sports are about patriotism for this great country. It's a lot of good, healthy competition. There's a good entertainment quality to it, and it's just... It's good leisure, and, and for the most part, especially baseball, it's very family-driven. It's very family-driven. At the worst, you know, you might have somebody out there taking a knee during the anthem, but that, that's kind of over with, right? But I, then, you know, there you have the drunkenness and the gambling that goes along with it, okay? Yeah, that's we don't do that stuff, but that, that's the fan part of it. They don't have that going on actually during the game, right? So you can enjoy the game how you want to enjoy the game, but... The Olympics, <laughs> I I don't know. It ain't about patriotism. You know what it's about? It's designed for the gods of this world. That's what Olympics are for. I get the feeling that all of those sports, the movements, the games, the things they do, it is designed to please uh, 
evil, high-ranking principalities and powers. And there's just this big emphasis uh, placed upon globalism, collectivism, open borders, and of course, definitely LGBTQ stuff and a climate obsession. But they're over. And uh, I, I hope this, uh, you know what, man. Man, I just felt like I stirred something up there. I'm just glad they're over. Yeah. Uh, Russia invaded Ukraine. We've been talking about it. You know, my dad uh, the other Sunday made a great point about this. He said, you know, he quoted several of the of the famous apocalyptic prophecies in the Bible about God gathering his elect. Um, I don't think the gathering of the elect is actually the rapture. It's actually speaking of God gathering his people, this the uh, Israel, back into the land of Israel. My dad has taught that. I got the revelation of that many and my friends teach that and preach that, and it could be this is going on because there's a lot of Ukra- uh, Jewish Ukrainians that are that are coming back to the state of Israel. So it could be a, a part of the fulfillment of that. God may be doing that uh, with all of this. That is something to think about. But uh, have you noticed uh, something else I've noticed here about this war? I got to talk about it. It's just a phenomenon of our our of, our, of our, the times and season we're in. Have you just noticed the world has canceled Russia? The world has shut down Russia, just canceled Russia and canceled uh, Russians. And I, I don't understand it. I don't get it. Because you think about this, when, there, when militant Islam was, and it hasn't gone away, militant Islam is still out there, but when it was like bad, why didn't the left cancel every Muslim? Why didn't the left cancel everybody from Iraq? Why didn't we cancel every Afghanistan person? Okay? But it was like, oh, no, Muslims are good. They're good. I mean, multiculturalism became so wonderful with them in this country. But they're canceling all Russians. I I don't get that. Why is the deep state all about the Muslims, but (laughs) they ain't rolling with the Russians? Is there like this partnership with the deep state in Islam? Makes me wonder. Russia is fiercely nationalistic, very non-globalist. That was the thing about Putin. I never felt like he was a problem. You know, he helped us take out ISIS. They've done a lot of things to control uh, major problems in the Middle East. I've just, I never thought of them as our ally. They're definitely not Western. I just never thought Putin was a problem, but now, goodness, he's he's an aggressor. He's a dictator by definition. But uh, what what about all these talks of nuclear war? Man, that's scary. Nuclear war. Do you have a bunker? I don't have a bunker. I don't have. Do you have a bunker? I don't have a bunker. (laughs) I'm wondering, should I even be worried about this? I don't think anybody's worried about this. I mean, I just, I'm looking out the window here. I just saw uh, uh, the pizza dude just drive by. Somebody's, the neighbor's getting a pizza. Here we are on the brink of possible World War, World War III. Uh, Nuclear bombs going off. And and people are getting their pizzas. 
Maybe I should go get a pizza. That sounds good. I wish I had a lot to give you on this war. A lot of opinionists could give a better opinion on what, what's, what's happening and what's probably going to happen. I don't know. I just know this. On February 23rd at about 10 p.m., after midweek worship service, I was sitting there watching the news. And, and Laura Ingram, I mean, you could just see fear in her eyes. I was like, oh, my God, this invasion is real. I turned the TV off, and I went to prayer, and I said, God, how do you feel about Russia? What do I say? How should I feel? What should I say? And God said to me, is this your call? Who made you a judge in who made you a judge in this matter? <laughs> Not what I was expecting from the Lord to tell me, is this your call? Who made you a judge in this matter? And that's still the way I feel about this. I'll, I'll tell you one thing I am doing. I pray for the church in Ukraine. Because you know what? That first night when I was praying, I could hear the voices in a foreign language to me. I later found out it was the Ukrainian language. I can't speak it. I don't know any words in the Ukrainian language. You just kind of, you know what it sounds like, right? Like I can't speak Spanish, but I know what Spanish sounds like. And I can hear whenever I pray for Ukraine, I hear prayers in my head. There are people crying out to the Lord Jesus Christ out of Ukraine in that beautiful Ukrainian language under the Lord, and God hears it. I hear it. And uh, our prayers are with you. In Jesus' name, this fight is, the world's sitting here watching it. I am blown away that Biden has shown restraint in all of this. Just blown away by it. I got to believe that his heart is in the hand of the Lord. I hope this war ends soon. Why, why can't we put an emphasis on talks for peace? Not demands, peace. I, I don't understand why Zelensky's making demands. It's you know, Obviously, there. I don't know everything, and it's hard to make an assessment when you don't know everything. Politicians, political leaders, no matter what party they're a part of, they will all know things that you don't. Just like your pastor. You ever wonder why sometimes pastor's decisions, you're like, why did he decide to do that? Well, he knows things you don't. you got to trust his leadership. All right? And I'm looking at Zelensky, and in my mind, it's he's like a, a first grader up against a big ninth grader. And the little first grader is making demands from that ninth grader. <laughs> I mean, Putin's big. His country's big. Everything's big. I'm like, President Zelensky, why are you making demands like this? You know, I, I was saying to myself, he needs to surrender, my God, for the sake of world peace. And to stop the killing of all these people, surrender. Then I realized, how are you going to surrender when everybody wants to fight? I mean, the fight is there. It's in the Ukrainian's heart to fight. It's like, this is my house, you know? Can't surrender with that. The war rages on, and our prayers are with you all. In Jesus' name, may the Lord and the judge of the earth, amen, intervene when the moment is right. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's uh, get to some stats here and some listener responses. While we've been, uh, while we've been going a little while. So I lose track of time sometimes with this podcast. I used to time it. 
I probably should get back to that, but I've I look at my stats and I have a last I checked it was a 91% consumption rate. Anything around 40 is considered really good. But on average each episode, 91% of it is is uh, consumed. Most people listen to it all the way to the very end, which is remarkable by the way. I try to put the best stuff there in the beginning. Uh, so if you're still listening to this, we're going to get to some stats and uh, we'll get to your questions that you've sent to me here in just a minute. So, okay, for the month of February, I know uh, March is coming to an end here slowly but surely, but uh, we, we got to do the stats for uh, February. Around the world, coming in at number two is France. And number one for listenership around the world, United Arab Emirates. Thank you for your listenership around the world. On up into Canada, number two, British Columbia, and number one, Ontario. Thank you, Canadians, for listening. Down here to the United States of America, number 10, Ohio, number nine, Arkansas, number eight, New York, New York. Who's listening out there in New York? I wonder who's listening out there in New York. If you're from New York and you're listening to this and you become a loyal listener in the past month or so, send me a message. I want I want to know who you are. I like New York. Some of the best food I've ever had. I've been out of New York. And, and yeah, and I like that slum accent. That's that's what I dig. I know not everybody has it, but I really get into that New York accent. They know how to do pizza out there. It's like an art form, right? And every you could live off pizza. And, and and you don't gain weight. There's something about their pizza that's got a healthy quality to it or something. I, I don't know. Uh, number seven, Florida. Number six, California. Number five, Pennsylvania. You know, I've never preached or traveled to Pennsylvania. And Pennsylvania has been big. Who Who's in Pennsylvania? Contact me. Let me know who you are. Uh, number four, Michigan. Number three, Illinois. Number two, Missouri. And back in at number one, everything is big in Texas. <laughs> Texas has got two bigs. They were big in January and big in February. So thank you, Texas. A lot of good people, a lot of really good churches uh, down in Texas. Pentecost is strong there. All right, we got some uh, people who took the time to send us some great reviews on Apple. Lindsay Elms on Apple Podcast Review, she says, As always, your podcast never disappoints. Hmm. The episodes about angels and fasting were phenomenal. My roommate and I listen to you in our dorm room before we go to bed, and she wants to talk about your content while I'm trying to fall asleep. <laughs> this podcast feels like family, even though we are all spread apart. I look forward to episodes each week. Much love. Wow. Never disappoints. What a compliment. I never want the message of God, Bible, and church to uh, disappoint. But I want it to be delightful, so I'm glad to hear that. Okay, the thing that kind of like made my eyebrows go up. So uh, these girls are really listening to this podcast before they go to bed. And it's become a subject of discussion between two roommates. I always thought podcast was a solidarity enjoyment. Uh, but to my surprise, families, couples, friends, 
and now roommates uh, listen in concert together before bed. My goodness. And so it feels like family. Yeah, it does. It does feel like a family. Uh, welcome to the Gleason Pod family. Here we are. All right. K2 Thleen on Apple Podcasts says, ah, I love this podcast. Everything JCG says is insightful. He really puts things into a different perspective. And I was very excited to hear Sister G's lovely voice this past episode. She should come on more often. This is an amazing podcast. Hmm. Some good words there. Insightful and unique. An insightful and unique perspective. That's funny. Is In the initial plan of this podcast, I wrote down those two words. I wanted to include them in, in this, in each episode. And we've done that. So I really feel like I'm fulfilling the, the, the mission God gave me to do that. So thank you for that. And I agree, Sister G probably should come on more, right? I have the feeling she will. She, I think, is the fan favorite right now, the favorite guest. And I, I know why, because I've talked about her for like two years, and I think people were wondering, is Justin even married? He talks about this wife he has that God gave him, and it, the story's amazing, incredible. Is she even real? Oh, my God. <laughs> yes, she is very real. And she does have a great pod voice and a lot of things to say. And so I think our voices just sound really good on this show. And uh, it made her feel good to know that, you know. The podcast is, you know, there's a lot of things her and I do together, but there's one thing that her and I don't do a lot together, and that is podcasting. We do a lot of other ministry together, but this thing, it's, you know, it's it's a Justin thing. But uh, I, I, I know she had a good time doing it, So and it really helped a lot of people. So, yep, we'll do it. Okay, from uh, listener 9838489942. I wonder if that's a phone number, like a social security number. I'm not even going to try to figure that out. Anyway, this listener says, I love your podcast. I listen mostly when I'm at school or getting ready. Hmm. I'm so thankful that I have access to your podcast. Also, Sister G needs her own podcast. Ah. She has a lot of wisdom, and her voice is so soothing. How about that? Some people think that Sister G should be more on this podcast. Now some people think she needs to get her own podcast. I have to tell her you said that. They're 9838499. Yeah. Well. I like I like this. Uh, she says, what did she say? She says, I, I listen to while I'm getting ready or during school. My God. School, it's come to that. School has become so boring and meaningless that people are sneaking this podcast into into listening while their professor's up there talking. They're listening to this. Man, my goodness. I'll give you, I, I agree with you. Sister G does have a lot of wisdom. She reads, she studies, she prays. She's got things to say. Who knows? She may get her own podcast. That may end up happening. You never know. Okay, I received a message on Instagram DN from Aaron. And she says, good morning, Brother Gleason. I just listened to your episode with Brother Josh Herring. Great episode. Great podcast. I just ordered his book, Fast Forward. Thanks for your ministry. God bless you. Uh, Awesome. I told Brother Herring I wanted the listeners to buy his book. And from, from what I'm hearing, a lot of people, a lot of people that listen to this bought that book. So thank you for doing that, supporting uh, Brother Herring, great apostolic author. And I'm just glad to know people are reading books again. People are, you'll get smart listening to podcasts, but you want to take your intellect to another level, books. 
I'm telling you. Books, books, books. Another DM from Hunter. He says, Brother Gleason, your episode, Praying to a God Who Already Knows What You Need, really impacted me. I have felt pressure in making that one-hour prayer mark every day and then dealing with the shame when I am not realistically able to do that every day. Truth is, when I do reach an hour, there's a lot of repetitions. Oh, God. (laughs) Ah. I appreciate you being really raw and honest about quality of prayer versus time spent. Uh, Thank you for the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. I tell you those vain repetitions, what Jesus said don't do, that's turned into Pentecostal prayer means those, oh, God, oh, my God, oh, God. You could, oh, God, for an hour and not get anything done in the spirit world. That I can tell you, believe me. So just uh, pray how Jesus taught and uh, watch your prayer life explode. It'll be very efficient, simple as that. I did my own little scientific study. It took all the major prayers of the Bible, like the... The, the tabernacle prayer, the prayer of Jabez and famous prayers of the Psalms and the Lord's Prayer and, and uh, prayers that are across the New Testament. Prayed them very effectively, and it always came out to around 20 minutes. 20 minutes, had great prayer time. I did it. A 20, and, I you know, the best prayer is when you're not worried about the clock, and I wasn't worried about the clock this morning, but, man, I had a great prayer time, and it was about 20 minutes, and then I was about three hours in the Word. <laughs> so... Oh, man. Thank you so much. Uh, if you want to contact me, you can do so at justincgleason at gmail.com. Or contact me through a social media platform. You can find me at Justin C. Gleason at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much. God bless. We'll talk to you again sometime, all right?